If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've had a few unsettling experiences in the woods, but this is unquestionably the strangest one. I've been mulling it over for years and still can't come up with a rational explanation. A few details have been changed to protect my identity, but the story is 100% true. I apologize for how long it is. Note that this happened while I was on a hike in Yellowstone National Park. So in 2018, my partner and I drove up to a national forest inn for a day hike in early summer. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The area was somewhat remote, but nothing too isolated. Hiking is huge in the, so there are plenty of other people on these trails at any given time, especially during peak season. Because of this, we chose a less popular trail in the hopes of getting some alone time. It was an approximately six mile out and back moderate difficulty hike with a waterfall at the end. It followed a river and didn't intersect with any other trails. Simple enough, right? We were both experienced hikers in good physical condition, so we had no reason to think we needed anything but day packs with a couple liters of water and sandwiches. Getting back before dark should have been a piece of cake. We set out sometime afternoon. At first, we took it slow and meandered around the riverbank for a few minutes. I found a cool animal bone and we mused over what it might be. It was clearly a vertebra from a large mammal, so we guessed it was probably a deer bone. Because I'm a little morbid and like collecting things of that nature, I put it in my pack. That might not have anything to do with what happened next, but I feel like I should mention it since it was out of the ordinary. The hike to the waterfall was beautiful. We passed a few other people on their way back to the trailhead, but for the most part, we had the place to ourselves. We stopped a few times to look at wildlife or take photos of flowers. I was tracking our progress on my Fitbit, so I always knew how many miles we'd traveled and how much time we had before sunset. We reached the waterfall at about 3.2 miles, which matched what the map had said. I paused my watch and we settled on a large boulder to rest and eat our lunch. Another young couple was there with their dog. We said hello and then minded our own business. Here's where everything went wrong. As we packed up our stuff and prepared to leave, my partner, Michael, slipped off the boulder and twisted his ankle badly. The other couple heard his surprised scream as he splashed into the water, so they rushed over to help. The three of us hauled him back to dry land and assessed the injury. None of us were doctors, but we thought it was a sprain. The swelling had already begun and Michael said the pain was serious. He could barely stand. 
Upon realizing this, the male half of the couple started backing away and seemed anxious to leave. I asked him if he could go get help, but he didn't respond. Neither did his wife. They both just turned around and started booking it up the trail with the dog trotting behind them. I called out to them in frustration, but they didn't look back. Needless to say, we didn't have cell service that deep in the woods, so we couldn't contact anyone else. We had to hike back. It'll be okay, I said to Michael. It's only three miles. You can do this. We shifted the water bottles and our modest amount of gear into my pack so he wouldn't have to carry anything and made decent progress. I was still tracking the hike on my Fitbit. After about two miles, Michael ran out of steam and we rested again. I told him to lean on me to take the weight off his injured ankle. Even though I'm a head shorter than him, it seemed to help. We're almost there, I said. Just one more mile. Despite the setback, we were in pretty high spirits. The sun was still up and the woods were still beautiful. We made light of our predicament. Michael joked that he can't do anything without getting hurt or breaking something, and I comforted him. We both thought the ordeal was nearly over. Eventually I realized we'd been walking longer than expected. I assumed it only felt that way because we were moving at a slower pace, but when I checked my watch and saw that we'd gone farther than a mile, I started to worry. We were at 6.6 miles total. That meant the walk back to the trailhead was longer than the walk to the waterfall. That couldn't be right, but I figured I must have made a mistake at some point. Maybe I hadn't started the tracker until we'd already traveled a ways at the beginning? Regardless, the parking lot had to be around the next curve in the trail. But it wasn't. We went another half a mile or so before stopping to assess the situation. Over seven total miles and we still weren't back. What the hell? I checked the map of our hike on the Fitbit app and saw that there weren't any gaps. It was a straight line from beginning to end, with the line doubled back on itself, indicating that we were on the same route. But where was the trailhead? We talked it over and concluded that it had to be a glitch. Michael was adamant that we hadn't passed the trailhead, and we couldn't have taken a wrong turn, because there were no other trails. Plus, the scenery was all familiar. We saw things we remembered passing on our way to the waterfall. It was definitely the same trail, and well-maintained too. A big, wide dirt track that followed the river and didn't veer off into the undergrowth. Losing the trail was impossible. At that point, we started to feel demoralized, but what could we do except keep going? Our phone still didn't have service. Michael was in a lot of pain and struggled to put weight on his sprained ankle. It was twice the size of his other ankle. He was sweating. I was sweating. The whole thing started to feel like a nightmare. When we went another mile and still didn't reach the trailhead, we panicked. Night falls quickly in the forest and we had little daylight left. We were almost out of water, had no rain gear or other food, and the only flashlights were the ones on our phones. Of course we cursed ourselves for not bringing more supplies, but we were only supposed to be out there for a few hours. It was just a short day hike, and we had no idea how it could have gone so wrong. Out of desperation, I yelled for help. We'd seen no people since that strange couple had abandoned us near the waterfall but I was sure that we had to be close to the parking lot. That didn't mean there was anyone there, 
but we were both so freaked out, I was willing to make a fool of myself if it meant rescue. To our dismay, nobody answered. We were alone. In an attempt to get a grip, we reasoned that maybe we really had passed the trailhead we started at. Maybe we were so focused on keeping Michael off his bad foot that we'd simply missed it and were hiking toward the next trailhead. We were pretty sure that wasn't the case, but it was the only explanation that made sense. We were definitely still on the same trail, and though we couldn't be certain, it seemed like the landscape had changed. We no longer recognized any of the landmarks, except the river, and that seemed to support our theory that we'd gone too far. We knew we weren't walking in circles. That wasn't possible. Should we turn back? We mulled that over for a few minutes. If we were wrong, backtracking would guarantee spending a night in the woods. Michael couldn't deal with that ankle forever. We decided to press onward. I'm not crazy, right? I asked. That initial hike was only three miles. We went three miles to the waterfall. Yes, Michael agreed. The entire hike was supposed to be a little over six miles out and back. We've walked a lot farther than that. We should have gotten back a long time ago. I don't understand what's happening. When night fell, we picked up the pace. Michael stopped leaning on me and limped down the trail as fast as he could. He later said adrenaline dulled the pain of his injury and gave him the motivation to continue. That part of Oregon is mountain lion country, and I just read about a lion attack a few weeks prior to our hike. Being caught out there in the dark was the absolute last thing we wanted, but there was nothing we could do about it. We were scared. Michael shone his phone light on the path ahead to make sure we didn't lose our footing, and I shone mine at the trees, scanning for cat eyes. I was crying. Fitbit said we'd hiked 9 total miles. After 9.5 miles, we finally saw the sign for the trailhead and scrambled toward it. Relief didn't completely wash over me, though, because I expected we'd have to either hitchhike back to where we started, or trudge along the side of the road for a few miles more. There was simply no way this could be the trailhead. It was 3 miles past where it should have been. As we climbed the short set of steps up to the parking lot, sweaty, thirsty, exhausted, and completely unnerved, I hoped to see a car. My prayers were answered, but. It was my car. We were at the same trailhead. For a moment, Michael and I stared in shock. Our fear and misery were replaced by sheer confusion and we just stood there. Then a twig snapped somewhere in the woods behind us and broke the spell. We hurried across the parking lot towards the car, and in those few seconds, I felt an intense dread. The best way I can describe it is the feeling you get in a nightmare when something is pursuing you and you're trying to run away but moving in slow motion. Like your legs just won't cooperate and you know the thing chasing you is going to catch up. This is the only time in my life I've ever felt that way outside of a dream. We managed to pile into the vehicle and peel out of the lot. I was shaking. Michael was rambling about time distortion and dehydration and how we must have lost our bearings somehow. We got out of the national forest and onto the highway, and it was a while before we encountered any other cars. I didn't fully relax until we made it back to civilization. Neither of us can figure out exactly what we experienced. Michael was on crutches for months following that incident and his ankle has never been the same. 
I still have the bone I found, but I keep it in a box because it gives me bad vibes. When we go hiking these days, we stick to the crowded trails. Whatever happened that day, we do not want it to ever happen again. When I was about 10 years old, me and my Chuck Norris slash pastor grandpa went deep into the woods of Yosemite National Park for a survival trip. We were gonna stay for two days. We backpacked deep into the Yosemite woods and set up camp. It was a quiet area, there was a stream nearby and drowned out any noise that might come along. Fast forward to the horror, it's been about an hour since we arrived, and it's nighttime. We get in the tent try to go to sleep, but we start hearing these loud noises off in the distance that sounded like people. This was extremely strange, since we were miles into the woods. My grandpa and I got out of the tent and quietly walked towards the noises. As we got close, we could see it through the clearing, several piled up animals burning in the middle of a blood-drawn pentagram. My grandfather was truly horrified, and we darted back to the camp, packed up faster than I thought possible, and bolted out of there. My most terrifying experience in the woods in Yellowstone National Park was when I was about 10 years old. Okay, on a second thought. Maybe being shot at by rednecks was the most terrifying, but at least it was obvious what was happening at that time. So I grew up in rural Oregon in the Coast Range. This is a mountainous area that is technically a northwestern rainforest. Heavy undergrowth, untouched in most of the spots that we spent time in as kids. We weren't afraid of the forest, our house backed right up against it. Atop that, we had a guard dog that would start barking like a maniac if anyone or thing wandered near the property. While well, my friends and I were playing that stupid game at twilight where you shoot an arrow in the air and then run around hoping it doesn't fall and pierce your brain. A novice archer shot one arrow that went way off and landed out somewhere in the trees. My two friends and I wandered into the forest towards it but stopped looking almost immediately, seeing a strange green glow. The glow, we found while trudging in deeper was due to worms on leaves. Glow worms are a thing, apparently, and a surprise because this was the first time we'd seen them. Well we did what kids do, started collecting them. The next moment is frozen in my head because of its abruptness. Head down, pursing the leaves for worms, a loud crashing started up just up the mountain from us. This wasn't far away, though, it was really close, meaning whatever it was had been there while we rifled through the plants. Two of us saw the cause, something very large and on two legs running down the hill at us. I would have thought human, except I could see the outline and this thing had no head over its shoulders. So, hulking headless thing running at us through the sword ferns and the fallen trees, we got the F out of there. Not to mention we weren't far from home. Maybe 5,000 feet? I don't remember hearing anything past the run which came out of someone's mouth. My parents didn't believe me. There really aren't any bears out in that area, just cougars and bobcats. I went back out the next day to verify that both the glow worms and the headless thing were real, but found evidence of neither. It was later on in my life that I saw the worms again, but never the headless. Whatever. 
Now keep in mind that I am very skeptical and don't even trust my own memory. If there was something like that in the woods, we'd have found some evidence. No one was camping in that area because, well, we'd have seen them at some other point. I grew up wandering the forest constantly. But the primal fear of being chased remains. I live in the Pacific Northwest and I've been an outdoorsy type ever since I was a child. Always been a fan of foraging for food and hiking but I had an experience from Yosemite National Park a few years ago that changed that. I was up in some deep forest just foraging like usual and out of nowhere I had this chill run up my spine and felt an intense primal fear. I immediately became scared because I've never had this kind of intense fear grip me. I thought it was a black bear nearby or a cougar stalking me so I pulled out my handgun and started to creep around looking for a safe place. I found this little clearing and crouched down so I could listen to the forest. I didn't hear anything except the usual little rustle and wind so I thought it was okay. I get up to leave and I see this enormous hulking thing watching me about 50 yards away, maybe 20 yards inside the forest on the other side of the clearing. Not even hiding just standing there like a tree. I actually thought it was a tree at first because it was probably 8 feet tall and 3 feet wide. Must have been 800 or 1000 pounds as soon as I saw its eyes I was paralyzed with fear. Probably would have shat myself if I had any in my system. And it was super quiet too. I never heard it even when it started to walk off. I just felt its presence nearby. Not a this thing wants to kill me presence just a this thing could kill me if it wanted to, and easily kind of fear. I just stand there looking at it, it looking back at me. After about 30 seconds that felt like an hour I started to back away slowly, keeping close to the ground in a kind of I don't mean any harm way. Soon as I started to move it just walked off. I think it had a fair bit of intelligence and once it saw I didn't want to do it any harm it just left. It might have also just been curious. So yeah, Saw a Bigfoot once and it scared the living hell out of me. And let me tell you, a handgun wouldn't have done shit to this thing except piss it off. Even a shotgun might not have stopped it. Heard one while camping in the deep forest a few years later too. It had this weird scream like an angry man animal. Too deep to be a human but indefinitely not an animal, it was like some animal human thing. Wailed like an angry banshee. And I've been out in the forest for enough years to be able to identify all the animal calls so I know this wasn't anything animal. If I go hiking or camping these days it's right on the edge of the forest in an area that plenty of people go around. F going exploring in the deep forest. By the way I've been in the deep forest probably over 1000 to 1500 times and only ran into this creature once, and only heard it once so it's exceptionally rare. My buddy and I went backpacking in a Washington State National Forest. We weren't way out, but we were far enough out that it wasn't just a stroll. While we were finishing camp setup, all of a sudden there is a middle-aged woman in white shorts, pink shirt, and flip-flops in the middle of our camp. Wouldn't have been weird were it not for the location and the weather and the relentless mosquitoes. We didn't see her walk up. She acted in a daze and asked is this the shortcut? We said no, 
as we were right on a big river that you can only cross about three miles back. Oh okay. And she stands there for a minute. My buddy and I don't even remember looking away but we must have for a second, and she was gone just about as fast as she appeared. We could see way down the trail and all around since there was little undergrowth, and she was just. Gone. It was my dad, my twin brother and I. We were around 15 at the time and went to a nice little area inside Yosemite National Park where my dad was told nothing but good things from a few guys he worked with. Our plan was to get there in the evening, camp out that night, fish the day away then head home the following evening. The spot we chose to set up camp was perfect. Right by a hillside, surrounded by trees, not too close to the brush on our left and a few yards from the front of our tent was a little stream. We started a fire and had a good time until my brother and I decided to hit the hay. We went in our tent while my dad stayed out to finish his beer and put out the fire. We both ended up falling asleep pretty quickly but were woken up by an extremely loud noise. A holler slash screech of some sort followed by heavy breathing splashing water and rustling in the brush that sounds like running away from our tent further into the woods. My brother and I were shitting bricks staring at each other not knowing what to do. We realized dad wasn't in the tent and got even more worried. We both yelled out to him but didn't unzip the tent. A few seconds after we finally got a response and by this time there was only faint splashing noises down the stream a ways and the rustling had faded. We hear holy shit. You will not believe what just happened. We then unzipped the tent to investigate. My dad was standing on his chair by the tree closest to our tent and was holding a large stick. I guess he heard footsteps in the brush. He saw a deer walking and then start running towards the campsite and get taken to the ground by something. There was a struggle and the deer escaped but fell into the stream in front of our tent and continued to try and get away while whatever attacked it ran in the other direction. All the while my dad was trying to climb the tree because he was scared shitless and let us fend for ourselves lol to be fair we didn't open the tent even after realizing he wasn't in there so I guess we were looking out for ourselves too during the confusion. We stayed up for hours after that, too creeped out to fall back asleep. That sound was haunting. It sounded like something from a sci-fi movie. We had no idea what was out there. In the morning before even thinking about fishing we wanted to figure out what happened the night before since we had daylight. We followed prints, hair and whatever else we could find. The tracks were lost down the stream a ways but we still wanted to go in that direction. Nothing for about a half a mile until my brother saw a deer trying to limp up a small hill away from the stream. It kept falling, grunting and bleeding. The scariest part? It looked like its back leg got snapped in half. No blood, it appeared some of the fur by its neck and back was missing but half of its leg was just dangling. We got freaked out and headed back to camp. My dad called a game warden to put the deer out of its misery because he didn't have his gun with him. Took them forever to find us and by that point we didn't hear any more about if they found the deer or not because his left and went to another location to fish. That area was just not all right in our book anymore. Today we joke about it being Sasquatch trying to catch a deer. And of course how my dad was attempting to climb a tree out of fear.
I have a couple weird experiences being out in the wilderness, most notably from Zion National Park, but this one takes the cake. One time me and a girl that I was kinda seeing went out to see this crazy place that her and her sister found walking through the park. We walk for a little while and we come to a bit of a clearing. The first thing I noticed was a bunch of auto machinery was strewn around everywhere. Hoods there, engines there, etc. and there was lots of it. Then my attention is drawn to the middle of the clearing, where a gaping cement crevice was. She told me she thinks it's an empty pool. I looked down inside it and noticed the walls were caked with red, and random satanic symbols were plastered everywhere. I stood up after kneeling to observe, and all of the sudden I was hit with terrible feeling of nausea. Then I heard whispers from seemingly everywhere. I thought they were in my head, but then I looked at the girl whose face was wide with fear. She took my hand and bolted for the way out, and as soon as we got out of the clearing, the whispers ceased immediately. Definitely one of the weirdest moments of my life. This happened 11 years ago with an ex-girlfriend. It actually changed our relationship for the worse and we ended up breaking up a few weeks after. Nonetheless, I still remember this like it was yesterday due to how unexplainable it was. My girlfriend at the time wanted to surprise me with what she said was an overnight surprise trip. I obliged and felt like I was a pretty lucky guy for her to do something that required that much planning. After packing a duffel bag full of clothes and toiletries we left for what I though was a resort or some kind of hotel stay. Two and a half hour passed when we pulled off of a main road and headed down an off-road path. I asked her if this was a camping trip and she replied yes. To be honest, I was disappointed as I didn't really like camping and not to mention, I wish I knew to pack my hiking shoes. I didn't complain of course because it was still a romantic gesture. 15 minutes on this rough road, we finally pulled into a camping ground. The first thing I noticed was that there really wasn't anyone around us. It made sense though, this was really far off the beaten path. I was actually surprised her car made it that far out considering how harsh the road was. Anyway we make a fire pit and she cooks dinner. Everything is going just fine and we are really feeling each other. We of course take it to the tent as the sun goes down and we are vibing off each other. Yeah, it's what you would expect would happen as we begin moving things along as young college-age kids do. This is where the first strange occurrence happens. I hear scratching noises on the side of the tent. I try to remember if we set the tent up next to brush. Maybe the wind is causing branches to rustle against the tent? Oh well, that's the woods. Maybe it's a bird or something else. It stops rustling and we continue chilling as if nothing happened. Then things escalate in a strange manner. It's like the wind stopped and the environment became silent. We both felt uneasy causing us to get sort of get knocked out of our playful mood. She laid next to me as we tried to concentrate on listening to hear if there was a bear or some other animal in the area. Then it happened in an instant. Something akin to an explosion hit the tent tremendously hard. I could compare it to say if a log was thrown like a battering ram against the side of the tent. I say this because it literally pushed the material in forcefully and felt dangerous. A surge of adrenaline lit through my body as I felt like something violent was outside the tent. 
I never knew if I was a flight or fight guy but I guess my next action gives me some idea. I yell aloud give me the knife and the flashlight. As I scramble up and unzip the tent with tools in hand. My first thought was that I was going to confront some psycho that was messing with us perhaps with a baseball bat or some kind of battering weapon. I kid you not I launched myself out of that tent and stood up in a flurry to confront my attacker. A few breaths pass as a cold feeling sets in. I do a 360 scan to nothing but silence and darkness. Maybe it was a branch that fell on the tent? Nope, there was absolutely nothing on the ground where the thud was heard and felt. Hello? I yelled again and again to no response until only a moment later in the silence a chill shot up my spine. Get the keys and get out of tent. I said in a frantic tone as my girlfriend listened and now joined me. I looked at her car that we arrived in and noticed it was about 30 yards out by the shoddy off-road path. She didn't even need to know what I was thinking as we both just started to speed walk towards it. You might be thinking at this point that I am overreacting, but truly I cannot describe the terror that washed over me when I looked out in the darkness after investigating the tent. I could feel like something was watching me and to top it off, it was eerily silent. I know she confirmed my suspicions when she started for the car immediately without question. Our instincts were telling us to get the hell out of there. The walk to the car was unnerving and felt like a football field away but finally we got into the car, with keys in hand I took the driver's seat. After turning the keys led to some relief as the engine started. Instinctively, I locked the doors and turned the headlights on. We sat for about three seconds trying to rationalize what was happening when my girlfriend started exclaiming my laptop is moving, something is in the tent. She said this because she brought her laptop to serve as a lantern after dark. We of course left it in a hurry as well as other items. I saw what she saw, it was items being rustled around 30 yards away. Without further hesitation I put the car in gear and started down the rough road. As I tried to calmly drive the car down the dirt path quickly but carefully it was very rough road and I did not want to get stranded out there, the strangest thing happened next. A loud piercing ringing noise rang from inside the car's cabin. I turned the radio on and off. I checked the windows. I asked my girlfriend if her car had ever made such noises she replied no. I asked her again if she could hear it as maybe it was just me being under stress and she said yes I hear it I don't know what that is. In a confused panic tone. Now I wanted to write this off as a car problem but if you were in there with me you would describe it as some kind of bell continuously ringing. It didn't sound like any car noise I had ever heard. My next instinct as I grew up as a pastor's kid I just remember praying for 10 minutes as I was convinced it was a supernatural or demonic event. We endured the screech for 10 grueling minutes as to my relief it ended suddenly. It didn't fade out or go quiet. The loud ring literally stopped in an instant. I can't describe the feeling in that car when it stopped. It is so strange to look back and remember that I felt internally that the ordeal was over once the ring stopped. Everything felt normal again. The panic, the chills, all of that went away in an instant. We ended up down the road another 45 minutes and finally stopped at a trucker dinner. We slept in the parking lot, or at least she did as I was still on edge from the adrenaline dump I just went through. 
In attempted bravery the next day we went back to the camping site as the sun was up. We investigated but saw no tracks or anything except for the contents of the tent tossed around but still accounted for. I was hoping they were missing so I could write it off as people screwing with us and plundering our tent, but that didn't seem to be the case. We were packed up and gone in less than 10 minutes as the area still felt weird. Haven't been camping since. I would go again but next time I want an RV or at least at a relatively known location with others around. This place was the remote mountains of Pace in Arizona far from civilization. Edit, for people asking why this led to a breakup. For starters after struggling to stay awake on the drive home after hardly sleeping in the diner's parking lot, I was a bit cranky and mad about her dragging me out camping when I specifically told her I didn't like camping side note and also not her fault but she slept for two hours while I slapped myself awake trying to drive us home. She didn't take my statement well and said I was ungrateful. To her credit, she planned a nice gesture unbeknownst to her that we were going to get haunted. She did also keep saying she wasn't going to give up camping and that I should give it another shot. I felt that this was insensitive as I told her repeatedly that I wasn't interested in going out again and that also I wish she would have communicated that what we were doing ahead of time so that we could bring a gun or something other than her little knife. It probably wasn't right of me to act like the incident was her fault as it wasn't. The reality was that we had only been dating for about a month and a half and I felt like I was trying to fit this mold of a person she wanted to marry. As she made comments about how she wanted her kids slash family to go camping together and whatnot. So plunging me into the deep end and wanting me to go again even shortly after the incident meant it was moving too fast and for me. Also, another hiking incident happened a month later that broke the camel's back. This was during a break we were taking from each other but it solidified our breakup. It wasn't a haunting but it was scary and dangerous as she once again didn't tell me we were mountaineering and not hiking. Loose rocks falling, free climbing up 50 foot semi cliffs. Nothing I was prepared for. She deserved a great outdoorsman and that wasn't me. My friend and I went deep out into the deep woods behind his house to find some sassafras trees to make some old-fashioned alcoholic root beer. About 30 minutes in we had found some nice roots and were taking a different route back when we stumbled upon this rudimentary hovel built around the bottom of a big sorghum tree, the ones with all the little spiky balls all over the place. It was built with plywood that had been spray-painted with some kind of rhino lining type stuff. The construction of it wasn't too shabby actually. It had a metal door like the type you see one some crawl spaces and a hefty lock on it. Coming out of the roof was this ladder that led maybe 30 to 40 feet up the tree to this little crow's nest like thing. It was high enough up that you would be able to see pretty far around the forest and it was covered in that camo mesh leafy like material. While I was inspecting the lock my friend was on the other side trying to see through the cracks between two of the wall panels and he suddenly said dude you have to come look. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... 
Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Look at this. He shined his phone flashlight while I peered through. I saw a table, well more of a low bench on one side. It was very neatly arranged and there was a super deep looking hole with a grate over it. On the bench there was a bunch of chemistry glassware and a smell like musty piss was coming through the crack. That's when we realized that it was definitely a meth lab and we should get the hell out of there before a Buffalo Bill version of Walter White catches us and chains us up. The beer came out pretty good though. I live in Kentucky. My neighbor has about 200 acres of woods that backs up to a Boy Scout camp of around 200 acres and a forest preserve, another couple hundred. So this is pretty remote. There is an old logging trail, 100s of years old, that leads all the way down to Gunpowder Creek. Probably a 400 foot drop over about 1.5 miles of trail. The trail is right above a valley, with another hill to the right of it. It's fairly open. I had just been there a couple days before that for the first time, so I wasn't too familiar with it. So after the open part of the trail, the trail narrows, and takes a left turn. Right when I hit that spot with my quad, I got chills down my spine. I suddenly felt I was being watched. From all sides. But my right side especially. Then I heard screaming coming from about 700 meters away. Then motors maybe a quad. I peeled out of there so fast, I almost broke the land speed record. I was repairing our line fence one spring before we could let the cattle into the pasture after being cooped up all winter trees slash branches fall, deer tear parts down, and hunters often cut the wires to get their kill out more easily through the fence. I'm miles from anyone and I see a bush violently moving around 10 feet away. Curious I investigate. There is a full-grown tom turkey inside the bushes. Missing his head. Blood is shooting from his neck and he's still thrashing about. Turkeys are both formidable and wily birds, and a lot bigger in person than you'd think. My first thought was what could have snuck up on him and bitten his head clean off without making a sound? Second was since he was still moving that whatever did this had to be very close to me right this second I decided I wasn't that curious anymore so I eased on back out of the brush the same way I came in. To this day I have no idea what kind of animal that had killed the bird but I am certain I made the right decision to leave as quickly as I did. Being between something that could do that silently and his dinner was not a place I needed to be. My first scary thing was my friend and I were going to an off-road spot and it was a two-day trip. We took my truck which doesn't have a camper. Anyway, we pull off the main road to an outcropping that was a pull-off area next to a famous national park river and bust out some beers, a little grill and just kick back for a bit. Once we got done eating, I kept hearing this growling noise across the stream. I asked my buddy about it and he wrote it off like I was nuts. We start unpacking the tent and put it together and sure enough, 
The growling gets louder and two glowing eyes are pacing the bank in front of us. He notices it, we both freak out and throw the tent, complete and all in the truck and bail out. We ended up sleeping in the back of the truck about two miles away, totally freaked out. Different time when I was younger, we went to Apex Road. It was my first time there and what's common for everyone else freaked me out. There's a 40-ish foot steel cross erected that looks like it was made out of leftover metal. There's an abandoned mine shaft and also an old abandoned school that when we inspected it at dusk had whispering sounds come from it. That was nutty. Now keep in mind, this stuff was easily a hundred years old, but in order to get to the top of it, you need four-wheel drive and there's eight or nine switchbacks that are scary as F. It blows my mind someone settled up there at one point. When I was a kid I went out with my gramps to sort of stroll in the national forest deep woods off some back roads, along game trails and in areas our reservation had signaled as having been traveled along, broken branches and reflector tape. It wasn't really to hunt, but we had guns in case we came along a grouse. Well, the grouse would be my job, because I had a point two two. Gramps, meanwhile, was packing the heat in case something tried to jump us. I laughed, because hardly anything had happened to me out in the woods. Thank God he had that shotgun. We enter a bald patch of forest, there's a rise to our side, and just as we pass it we hear this nutso thumping, like a goddamn war drum being pounded into the earth. I look and it's a goddamn bear. For the life of me I can't remember what kind of bear, but it was big. Apropos of this, I freeze and probably wet myself because there was a horror story on the res about some poor man who escaped a bear attack after his friend was eaten alive. Actually, I probably just shut myself and cried like I would today lol anyway. Gramps pumps two shots straight into the ground ahead of the bear. The ground goes up like something out of Saving Private Ryan on the beaches, and this bear burns out trying to do a U-turn before running away. My Gramps looked at me took my hand, and said we should probably go. As if we just cut a fart at a neighbor's dinner party and had to leave to spare ourselves the shame. Wasn't hunting at the time, but was looking at a few backcountry areas in the spring so my friends and I could get a better understanding of the area for the winter. Walked toward our planned area and found a bunch of fully grown aspens pulled over to make tunnels. There were two of them and they were all almost exactly the same size, trees and all and around 300 feet long, even with avalanches, I'm not sure how nature does that. So we kept walking farther into the cleared out area and see an old creepy little hut up the run a bit. As soon as I saw that I immediately heard people behind me talking that were not a part of my group. I couldn't make out much of what they were saying except three voices laughing. Then one voice said hey. 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 And the other answered him dude no they can't hear you and they all laughed again. After that my group got lost AF and felt we were being followed the entire time. Never have been and never will go back to that spot. I grew up in a small mountain town in the middle of a huge forest. I was hunted by a mountain lion in my own backyard at dusk. My Rottweiler and Boxer saved my life. 
I was hunched over catching earthworms for fishing the next day by the dog kennel when the dogs burst out of the doghouse barking bloody murder. I thought it was them not knowing it was me because I was upwind so I thought they should know my scent, but Rottweilers and Boxers aren't scent-centric dogs so they may not have noticed. But it was dusk and I was hunched over maybe they couldn't make out my shape. I stood up and turned to the dogs to settle them down and I noticed they weren't paying any attention to me. They were still barking and snarling bloody murder behind me. I turned to see what they are barking at and I immediately locked eyes with an adult mountain lion. Had I still been hunched over it was close enough that I probably could have touched its head. So it looked at me, glanced at my dogs, turned and ran. Damn things seemed to vanish silently into the wilderness part of our two acres of land. I wasted no time running into the house at a dead sprint. I swear I covered the 60 yards from the kennel to the back door in under 3 seconds. I spoke with a number of animal behavioralists and they have all said the same thing. If it was cautiously curious about me it would have kept its distance and stayed hidden. If it were openly curious it would have approached me where I would have seen it. As it was crouched low coming up from behind stealthily it was likely coming in for a kill. Best case it hasn't decided if I would be worth killing or not and was coming in for a sniff before deciding. When it lost the element of surprise and was outnumbered 3 to 1 with 1 being 6 feet tall, it decided to abort and run. My dogs were the most spoiled and loved dogs on the planet after that evening. Walking back to my truck well after sundown but with my headlamp off to keep people on the road below from knowing where my spot was exactly. Forest was really quiet, and as I came to a spot where the trail ran alongside a head-high thicket, I heard a voice. Turn around I slowed a bit, but didn't turn and before I could figure out where the voice was coming from, it spoke again. Turn around it was clearly coming from inside my head. Now my hair, all of it, stood on end and I spun around raising my bow in self-defense. As I turned, I saw something moving at me, full sprint, low to the ground, aiming for my knees. Before I could redirect the bow to protect my lower half, the animal turned a few feet in front of me and bolted into the thicket, with just a whisper of noise. There was a dust cloud hanging when I got my headlamp turned on about half a seconds later, but no discernible tracks, and I just get the F out. I was about 14 years old, having the time of my life on a houseboat running around Lake Shasta in Northern California. Because the lake is comprised of many former valleys where creeks and rivers converged and flooded by a large dam, you can travel for hours by boat up the valleys of flooded tributaries. It's absolutely beautiful and very remote country where no roads exist. One of the final days of the vacation we took a larger arm from the main body of the lake, heading up north and just kept going, towing our skiboat behind our 40-something foot houseboat. We'd hit a long glassy straight channel, ski our balls off and then tow the boat and keep going to the next awesome spot. We traveled for hours. As the sun started to set we decided to park the houseboat against the riverbank which was very steep, almost impossible to climb but we managed to put two stakes out in the red clay riverbank and anchor the boat to the bank. We were at least 10 to 15 miles from the main lake. 
Before long it's pitch black and my younger brother and older stepbrother and I all climb up on top of the houseboat because we think it'd be cool to stargaze. That's exactly what we did, hanging out in our sleeping bags and staring at the stars until the wee hours in the morning, I would estimate it to be 3am. Before we finally conked out. We were all fast asleep but not long into REM, hard to say how long. We were all jolted by the scariest mother of God scream coming from what sounded like a few feet in front of our houseboat. It sounded like 20 or 30 people screaming at the top of their lungs all at once, and lasted for a good 20 seconds. Which was an eternity. We all completely froze. Too scared to move. Too scared to open our eyes. Definitely too scared to turn my head and look. I was convinced we were about to be eaten. I remember counting the echoes from the scream bouncing from the vast valleys and ridges surrounding us, and after 13 or 14 echoes I lost count. It was the most incredible, most powerful animal noise I'd ever heard in my life. Not human, not animal. Maybe supernatural. It was a shrieking, bone-penetrating, multi-octave, terrifying scream. I don't even know how to properly describe it except it was similar to a scream at a camp I once went to when 30 kids and a 5 or 6 adult chaperones all yelled at the top of their lungs, and then listened for the echoes. Except this scream was louder and we are literally 15 miles away from the nearest human being, or even a road. And it was very, very close to our houseboat. We all lay motionless trying to feel if the houseboat would rock or pitch as if a large beast were to come aboard. There was no sound coming from inside the houseboat, I couldn't believe that my dad and stepmother were sleeping through this. Will they wake up as we're being killed? After about a half hour, laying there completely frozen, and listening carefully for any snapping branches or anything else, I quietly whispered to both of my brothers did you hear that? And they quietly whispered back yes. We didn't say another word until morning. I don't remember sleeping that night. And I haven't returned to Lake Shasta. It's been 35 years now, and my arm hairs are sticking up as I type this. I was walking my dog on a hiking trail one evening during a break in the rain shortly before dark, not hunting, sorry. This was not a very heavily used trail and it was still drizzling pretty good, so I was the only person around. After walking a short ways down the trail, dog did her business, I picked it up, and walked back to the garbage can near the parking area to dump it before continuing on the walk. Meanwhile, a middle-aged woman had parked next to me and walked past me down the trail, into the woods. She was fairly well-dressed, like she had just gotten off work, and was carrying a large purse. Thought it was kind of weird given the weather and the time, but whatever. I dumped the poop and turned back down the trail. About a 100 yards down the trail, I notice movement off to the side. I look over and the woman is kneeling down hammering something into a tree. She looks up at me with a look I haven't forgotten in the three plus years since it happened, a look that seemed to me to say you caught me. Now you're in trouble. A look that was startled, but more menacing than frightened. She didn't get up. I kept walking, thinking that pretending I didn't see anything was the best option. I finished the mile loop, looking over my should the whole way. When I got back to my car she was gone. 
I came back a few days later during daylight and found the tree she had been hammering into. The tree was about 15 to 20 feet off the trail. There was a vertical row of nails finishing style nails going from a few inches above the ground up to about 18 inches up the trunk. They were only hammered in a little ways, and the ones near the bottom were rusted, while the ones near the top were fresh. What on earth? I brainstormed what this was about. Some kind of weird drug drop slash pickup situation? Some kind of psychological issues? Witchcraft? I told my now wife about the encounter, showed her the tree, and we tried, unsuccessfully, to come up with an explanation. That was it for a while. I would occasionally see her truck parked in the area, but didn't encounter her on the trail and didn't see any more nails. Several months later, my now wife and I were walking our dog on a different trail about a mile away, and heard what sounded like hammering in the distance. We looked out through the woods and could just catch glimpses of a woman in a blue jacket walking through the woods a couple hundred feet off the trail, occasionally kneeling down. Not particularly wanting to encounter this woman, we assumed it was the same person, we got out of there. We came back another day and tried to find where she had been. We wandered around in the woods for a while, and then I spotted a vertical row of nails in a tree, just like the first one at the other trail. I called my now wife over, and as I turned to look at her, saw a row of nails on another tree. We started looking around, and lots of trees had nails in them. They were mostly vertical columns of nails, some trees had several columns, some columns went from the ground to five to six feet up the tree, and every once in a while a tree would have a ring of nails around the trunk or a geometric design. And this was a fairly extensive area easily one hundreds of feet in all directly. Literally hundreds of trees with thousands of nails. I don't know if this sounds creepy reading it, but I can say that realizing we were standing in the middle of a huge nailed forest, while thinking about the look she had given me, was the creepiest experience I've ever had. Like, what is this? We moved across the country not long after this, without ever coming up with a good explanation for what she was doing. We researched everything from Native American symbolism to witchcraft rituals to obsessive-compulsive disorders to forestry practices to the local history. Never found anything conclusive. We came across the nail lady one more time before we moved, she passed us on another trail in the area. She walked by, looking straight ahead, saying nothing, carrying her large, black leather purse. We didn't stop to ask her what she was doing. If you spend enough time in the woods you can eventually kinda tell what's making a sound without actually seeing the animal that's making it. Squirrels sound like they're about 10x larger than they actually are, and jumping a deer always sounds pretty much the same. At the very least, you learn to distinguish between normal sounds and those that simply don't belong. There's nothing creepier than hearing a snapping twig or rustling leaves and getting that feeling in your gut that what you just heard doesn't sound right. Last year I was hunting some public land here in Virginia, in some bottomland running along a small river. I sat close to a stump for about an hour, and in the early afternoon got up to move to another spot. After walking about 30 yards or so I hear the sound of a snapping twig behind me. It sounded like how a person would sound. 
I immediately squatted down and started to scan behind me, but didn't see anything. After about five minutes or so, I stood back up to started walking, and as soon as I started walking I heard the sound of footsteps through the brush behind me. I dropped back down, started looking again, but didn't hear or see anything. Ten minutes goes by, so I stand up and start walking again. I hear footsteps, and now they sound like they're right up on me. This time I stand up and start calling hello, hoping whoever I think is around me will come out. Nobody ever does. I start making a lot of noise, shaking saplings and kicking bushes, trying to see if I can scare off some kind of animal. Nothing. I don't know if I was just going crazy that day or what, but I heard those footsteps and cracking sticks behind me all the way until I got to a clearing about 100 yards from my car. They'd stop a half second or so after I did, and start back up as soon as I started walking. I have no idea what it was, and I have never in my life heard anything like it before or since. I hunt pretty often and go back to this piece of land regularly, but I haven't been back to that particular stretch of woods since. Used to work on a small ranch down in the hill country, general work like running slash repairing fence lines, cattle work act. Out riding one of the larger horses one day and she kept acting spooked, which is normal since horses are big dumb ass animals that are spooked by anything. Regardless, I couldn't get the horse to settle so I opted to just head back to the bard for the night. The entire ride back, she was skittish to the point of almost ignoring my commands. Finally got back to the barn, put her away for the night act. Well, next day I went to the same spot on the trail and maybe 15 feet or so off of the actual path I found fairly large cat tracks. Mountain lions are about the only animal in this state that I would have to worry about, so it was a little unnerving to say the least. I'm from a small, rural area and venturing into the woods used to be a mainstay for my friends and I whether we were hunting, hiking, or just exploring unknown, to us, lands. One time in particular, we stumbled upon a clearing with several older model broncos parked in somewhat of a circle. Nothing much to think about until a closer look revealed the interior seats were removed and the majority of the windows were covered up by tarps or by other means. Within the circle was a large pit dug out about six feet deep with barbed wire covering the top around all sides. Large barrels also decorated the area, as well as makeshift cages. There were also bones strung up around the area. Possibly decoration, possibly a warning. Needless to say, we hightailed it out of there and never returned to that area of the woods. There are many possible explanations, but I'd rather not find out. Note, this was before cell phones with cameras, or we would have heavily documented our findings. So I used to fight deep forest fires in the Pacific Northwest of the US. My buddy was a native and this is his story and his dad's. He was a fellow firefighter and his dad was also a firefighter but he was higher up in the Bureau of Indian Affairs, BIA. So one day dad was down sitting in his truck doing paperwork when he sees all these headlamps come bobbing down the hill toward his truck. 
It is dusk and he is wondering what they are doing. Being a good boss, he begins to give them the what for for leaving the fire line, but they are genuinely upset and scared. Of course, he didn't believe them that they had seen a Sasquatch but they refused to go back. So, anyway he drives up there and has one of those spotlights that the police have on the A pillar of his truck. So he gets up to the fire and slowly pans around. He thinks he sees something and pans back. There was a Sasquatch that is standing still at a profile to the truck, slowly turns it head, looks at boss man, and slowly walks off. Story 2. So my buddy is up on the back side of Mount Adams. Beautiful area. It is part of the Native American reservation and this part is off limits to the white man. He is up there camping with his girlfriend, I think his kid and their dog. They are setting up camp when the dog starts freaking out and keeps jumping into the truck. Thanks Cujo you worthless mutt for protecting us. Should have been a sign. Then. They smell it. Imagine urine sitting out on a hot day for a week mixed with hair that hadn't been washed in a decade along with B.O. from never having taken a bath since you fell in the lake by accident when you were six, traumatizing you which makes you never want to take a bath for the rest of your life, or in other words, a homeless meth addict from Seattle. When my buddy smelled that, they grabbed their tent and in one motion scooped it up chucked it in the back of the truck fully set up and high-tailed it out foe there. They never did see anything, but they did smell him. Rumor has it the Sasquatch smell so bad because they are like us but never bathe so the homeless is a good description. This happened when I was 12 years old. I slept over at a family friend's house with my brothers they wanted to go ride bikes and play at the park with the family friend's son. I being the annoying little sister wanted to go too, next to the park was woods. They went into them and I of course followed. I'm not sure how far we went in but they thought it was a good idea to bolt in different directions leaving me in there alone. Not sure how long I was in the woods alone or how far I wandered what I do remember is people in dark robes and hoods just walking. I couldn't see their faces but I just knew if they saw me or heard me I was going to be in trouble. After panicking and I'm pretty sure some silent crying, I learned how to silent cry early different story. My brothers found me I do not remember the walk back to the house or how long I was gone or how long they were looking for me. Still don't know anything about the cult in the woods. So I dated someone who owned a cadaver dog, basically they can find dead bodies, it was a new term to me when I met them. Anyways, they explained that they worked with rescue teams, we live in wilderness country, dog's job was to sniff out bodies for people who might have gotten lost and died, buried under avalanches, etc. After five months of dating, my, now, ex asked if I could house slash dog sit. Was more than happy to. Great dog. Would be dog sitting for two weeks while they visited family. I was warned it has happened on hikes before that the dog picks up the scent of a corpse and gave me the steps to follow if it happens. First couple of days. Pretty uneventful. Then one day the dog is dragging me down this trail and I am panicking because I was like oh shoot am I going to see a dead body? But the dog stops at this very stern woman. Just sauntering along. He keeps looking back and forth between me and the woman. 
She gives me a quick your dog isn't well trained and keeps dog. I had to drag him away. It happens with this same woman a few more times. So I call the owner to bring it up. I describe the woman and my ex is so shocked and confused. Not familiar with the woman. Fast forward to my last night dog sitting. I was going to bed and had this horrific nightmare of being held down in the bed by the woman. I hear a bark and wake up. The dog is standing next to me on the bed. In its alert position staring at the bed. I didn't get any sleep. Never got an answer. A few years ago a friend and I were camping near Squamish Valley River. It's usually a pretty busy spot but it was a weekday and we didn't see anybody at all on the road to the spot, and there was no one camped at the spot, so it was just us. Anyways we were sitting out by the river on the sand watching the stars before bed, the moon was full and it was following the mountain line as the night went on and suddenly we both saw this bright bright flash in the sky, it almost looked like daylight for a second. I have no idea what it could have been, I thought maybe a shooting star out of the corner of our eye? But it was so bright and literally lit up everything. Still a mystery to us. When I was 15, my parents made the decision that they wanted to build their own farmhouse in the southern pasture, doing away with the mistakes our old house had, and improving on a few concepts. I, being the mountain boy I was, was ecstatic. I no longer had to drudge half a mile to my trap line, a mile down, a mile back, and a half a mile to the house, and get ready for school. The trap line would be 200 yards from my front door. All big projects start somewhere, and ours started with water. See, we always had problems with iron water at our old house, it stained everything, changed how food tasted, and God forbid you had anything white. So dad borrowed a bulldozer and an excavator off of a friend for a few days, built a sturdy road down to the bottoms, and dug footers for the house, but first we had to see if we could get a good well on the property. It's well known that a certain sect of my family could witch water, and had an old drilling truck, but first, silver had to cross hands, a jug of good shine had to be shared, and the rest poured out afterwards, and me and my sister would see if we also had the gift. My cousins came down and checked the land with three things, a fresh forked peach limb, a pure silver pocket watch, and finally a set of heavy copper wires bent into an L. The peach limbs marked the prospects, the watch pull told the depth of the water, and the copper told of its purity. Us kids had to stay up on the hill till they were done, and one by one, we were called down and instructed how to find water, and mark it. My sister was down there about half an hour, and then I got the call. When I went down I was given four flags, instructed how to do it, and set out with a peach limb. Where it pulled the hardest I marked the spots while my dad and the cousins looked on from the truck. I was next given the pocket watch, and told to tell them which one pulled the hardest. After that, I was given the copper tines and told to tell which one crossed the quickest. After much testing I came up with the one weaving down through our sugar maple patch where we made maple syrup. Well apparently I was dead on and was congratulated by all attending of my gift. But I digress, on to the creepy part. The next day they brought the rig up, 
trimmed some trees so they could stand it up, and started drilling on my spot. At 50 feet they hit water unexpectedly, short job right? Well dad had talked them into drilling a few holes in the creek through the bedrock so he could blast a few big holes in the creek for trout and a swimming hole. Well he had already cleared out a road down to the creek, and cleaned off a section of bedrock, diverted the creek to the other side, and prepped them a spot to drill. The creek is probably 30 feet wide from bank to bank, and is easily cross dry footed in dog days, but never goes completely dry. Well, they take the rig down, drive it through the pasture, turn it around, and back it out on the bedrock. Dad took the dozer and was clearing off a section on the other side of the pasture, and I was watching him for about an hour or two, when my cousins come running up to my dad, yelling for him to come and pull them back up the bank, they ain't drilling any more holes in the damned creek bed. Some words were exchanged, and dad backed the dozer down, hooked up to the rig, and dragged them back into the pasture. The weirdest thing was, they then set up the rig 50 yards from the creek and started drilling a test hole. When they got about four lengths down they pulled it up, and went back another 50 yards and drilled another, finally satisfied in what was going on. I on the other hand had walked around them, and walked down to the creek to where they had just drilled. See, dad couldn't turn all the creek against the hillside, not enough backfill and too much bedrock. What I seen was a drill hole down through the rock, with a small stream of water disappearing in it. Come to find out, they had hit an underground cavern at six feet and it just went. It extended about 50 yards out into our pasture, and maybe another 40 yards beyond that. We had to rearrange where we were putting the house it came so far. We went back down to the creek with a tape measure. The tape measure maxed out, so we got a 100 feet tape and put it down, it maxed out. Got a spool of baler's twine, tied a rock to it, put it into the hole. We all sat there for half an hour while dad fed twine down into that hole off that spool. Finally he said F it, and cut the twine, it's too damn deep he said. He gingerly drove the dozer back into the creek and smoothed everything up, covering the hole, and that was it. Dad passed away seven years ago this October. I walked down to the creek and fished it this spring for a mess of brookies. The creek changed and scraped itself clean in a few sections this spring. One of the places it scraped clean was the bedrock where the hole is. Water is still flowing down that hole, it never filled up.